0: Chapter 7 of The Campfire Girls Amid the Snows. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Betsy Walker, Santa Fe, New Mexico. The Campfire Girls Amid the Snows by Margaret Vandercook. Chapter 7 Turning the Tables when anthony graham left his home and started walking slowly through the woods he had absolutely no definite intention of any kind in his mind he was bored and a little ashamed of harassing his sister for if anthony had confessed the truth to himself down in his heart he was really both glad and proud of what nan was trying to do and had felt secretly more ashamed of himself since she began her efforts for the boy had a better mind than his sister and had more inheritances from his father's family. His idleness and weakness came more from his unfortunate environment, and from the fact that nothing had as yet awakened any ambition or better feeling in him. He had not told Nan what he wanted with the money asked of her, but for the past ten days had been thinking that if only he could get away somewhere out of Woodford, where no one knew anything of him or his family, and have a fair start, why he, too, might amount to something in the future so that Nan need not be shamed by him. He walked for half a mile or so, and then, sitting down on a log, began to whittle. There wasn't any use trying to clear out without money to buy food, and he did not wish to remain anywhere in the immediate neighborhood. It had occurred to Anthony in the past week that he might work and earn sufficient money for his escape. But, having applied at three or four places and been refused, His old shiftlessness and lack of willpower laid fresh hold on him, so that he gave up the effort. Now, as he sat at his usual occupation of killing time, he tried to banish all thought and all desire. He intended waiting until it was time to walk back to the sunrise cabin with Nan, and then go into the village and find his equally idle friends. Suddenly, Polly's laugh sounded, and then Betty's as though in response to something her companion had said. The girls were driving along the road toward home, and a little farther on would come within a dozen yards of the spot where Anthony was seated, concealed from view of the road by the grouping of trees. The boys started at first with surprise. The winter woods had seemed so quiet and so lonely. Not even a teamster had passed in all the time of his musing and then a curiosity seized hold on him to see his sister's much-talked-of friends without being seen by them. Of course, he had probably passed both Betty and Polly on the streets of Woodford a good many times, and that morning had caught a distant glimpse of them from the window, but he did not know one girl from the other, and from his sister's description he might now be able to tell. Betty was the beautiful one, and Polly, well nan no more than other people had ever been able to decide whether polly was beautiful or whether she was so fascinating that you had to think so while she was talking to you when she was quiet her face was apt to be pale and a little too thin anthony found a hiding place behind a tree bordering the road until the sound of the sleigh bells came nearer and nearer and Firestar made her appearance then an impulse stronger and more dangerous than curiosity swept over him for the first time since leaving his sister in the kitchen he remembered nan's information the two girls would be carrying back to their cabin a box containing betty's jewelry how easy to frighten them and make them surrender the box then he could get away from this neighborhood he hated and have a chance at a new life he would do the girls no harm and only take enough money to cover his actual needs the rest betty could have back again and anthony did not believe that either betty or polly knew him on sight nevertheless though he had little time for reflection with a quick movement he pulled his ragged cap down well over his forehead and eyes turning up his coat collar and stooping picked up from the ground a heavy stick which was almost a log in size An instant later, Firestar's bridle was seized with an ugly jerk, and the pony brought to a standstill. As Betty was driving, the tin box was being held in Polly's lap, so that the highwayman's first words were addressed to her. "'Turn over that box to me!' he demanded, trying to make his voice sound older and more threatening than usual. However, both girls were so entirely overcome by amazement at the unexpected appearance of a robber in their peaceful new hampshire woods that for a moment they could only stare the next instant polly with a quick flare of her irish temper leaned over and seizing hold of betty's almost toy whip slashed it in the face of the intruder get out of the way she cried angrily i am sure you can't know what you are doing but almost in the same instant The whip was torn out of her hand and dropped on the ground. When Betty attempted to rush Firestar forward, the pony's bridle was caught the second time. If you don't do what I say, I'll break your pony's back with this stick, the boy muttered. And at this, Betty winced, making no further effort to drive on. Firestar had been her pony since she was a small girl, and the stick the young fellow held was large enough to do her serious hurt also his manner was sufficiently ugly to indicate that he meant what he said polly was by this time so angry that she could scarcely think but fortunately betty after the first moment of surprise and natural fear had held herself well in hand now she looked so steadfastly at the figure at her pony's head that the young man turned his face away you are nan graham's brother betty remarked quietly and i hope poor nan may never hear what you are trying to do you may not believe i have ever seen you before but i have then as we have told only nan the reason for our errand to town only she could have told you i am quite sure though that she did not mean to betray us Betty said this so loyally in such an unafraid yet accusing voice that Anthony Graham wished himself ten thousand miles from the place where he stood and as many leagues from the deed he was doing. However, since he had already disgraced both his sister and himself, there was all the more reason why he should go through with this cowardly business and get himself away if he possibly could. No matter who I am, you will hand that box over just the same and be quick about it he commanded with another threatening wave of his stick. "'We will do no such thing, but will have you arrested as a thief,' Polly announced defiantly, wishing with all her heart, in spite of her campfire training, that the despised Billy Webster might appear at this moment driving one of his father's wagons either to or away from town. At other times she might look down upon Billy for having only a farmer's ideals. Just now, however—' the splendid strength that his outdoor life must have given him would have been peculiarly desirable. However, to Polly's surprise and chagrin, Betty, whom she had always considered braver than herself, showed signs of weakening. I will give you the key to my box, if you will let me have some papers that are inside it which can be of no value to you. Betty said this with a nervous laugh, her face suddenly turning pale when it had formerly been flushed then she set her lips to keep them from trembling without waiting for an answer she afterwards leaned forward and began searching under the carriage rug on the bottom of her sleigh for the purse-bag in which polly remembered the key to have been concealed anthony might at this instant have seized the tin box from polly and been off with it before betty could have driven Firestar star on but, He was willing enough to have the key to Betty's box, and even to leave her papers behind some tree if she so much desired them. He had never meant to take all her foolish trinkets, which are of no value to anyone except a girl. So, for a brief moment, Anthony did not look toward either Betty or Polly, but kept his eyes fastened on the pony's head. In that same moment, Hearing a sudden whirr through the air before he was able to move, the boy found himself securely caught by a rope and his arms drawn tight to his sides so that his stick dropped with a clatter on the frozen ground. While Betty Ashton, with another rapid movement, wound the other end of her rope about the crossbar of her sleigh, catching it with a clove hitch, and then, with a little gasp of astonishment at her own prowess, dropped back into her seat, only faintly hearing Polly's cry of delighted amazement. Not for nothing had Betty Ashton been learning to acquire honors in camp craft for the past six months, practicing different kinds of knot tying with the other girls in friendly rivalry hour after hour. In the bottom of her sleigh, along with the purse bag, which really did contain her key, Betty had remembered that they had 50 feet of new clothesline being taken back to the cabin. In the moment of fumbling under the rug, she had quickly tied the much-practiced slip-noose and then thrown it with better skill than she could ever repeat. Polly gave a characteristic laugh to relieve the tension of the situation. We have caught the enemy and he is ours now, Betty dear, but whatever are we going to do with him? But Betty had gathered up her reins and was quietly urging Firestar ahead so there was nothing for their prisoner to do but to run along by the side of the sleigh by superior strength the young man could have jerked away from betty's and polly's hold but not from the sleigh itself now the more he pulled on the clothesline, line the tighter it bound him besides it was difficult to do even this when all his strength was required keeping up with the pony's rapid gait I have often wondered how it would feel to be a conqueror driving through the streets of Rome with one's prisoners lashed to their chariot wheels, and this is deliciously like it, Polly sighed, before her companion had once spoken, enjoying with all her vivid imagination the retribution that had overtaken the evildoer. But Betty's expression was strangely grave, and every now and then she kept glancing aside at the figure running along beside them for except for a first oath and a few violent threats the young man seemed to own himself beaten and had since said nothing there was a horrible droop instead to his head and shoulders and indeed to his whole figure and he looked so ashamed that it made betty sick to look at him polly did not seem to have noticed but betty felt that she had never seen just such an expression before polly she whispered softly "'Do you think we ought to drive up to the cabin "'taking this fellow with us like this? "'Of course, we can turn around and go back to town "'and even drive up to the jail with him, "'but that is just as bad. "'After all, he is poor little Nan's brother, "'and if we do, the child can never hold up her head again. "'I keep imagining how I should feel "'if I were to be taken prisoner. "'After all, he is poor little Nan's brother.' and if we do the child can never hold her head up again i keep imagining how i should feel if i were to be taken prisoner and carried before a lot of strange boys to act as my judges then betty shuddered as though her vision were real but polly only laughed so scornfully that the boy overhearing her cringed it is an absurd supposition betty and i can't well imagine you putting yourself in this dreadful fellow's place You can hardly expect me to conceive of you, even in these advanced female days, suddenly stopping a number of young men and demanding their pocketbooks. Notwithstanding, Betty appeared deaf to her beloved Polly's teasing, for, instead of answering, she slowed her pony down. Don't you think we owe anything to Nan as a member of our campfire circle? she asked. "'It seems to me that allegiance is one of the first things boys learn, "'and it is because we girls don't feel it toward one another "'that women have the harder time.' "'Instantly Polly sobered. "'That is true, Princess,' she agreed. "'And I am desperately sorry for Nan, "'and would spare her if we could. "'But do you think it right to let an intended thief go free? "'Besides, if we do cut him loose, "'how do we know he will not seize your box away from us?' "'because I should drive up almost to the Webster Farm "'where we could be heard if we called for help "'before letting him go. "'And anyhow, even if we don't let him go free, "'I should like to talk to him.' "'Polly shook her head. "'Don't try Reformation at the eleventh hour. "'I don't believe in it,' she declared. "'Notwithstanding this, "'Betty drove on until within hailing distance "'of the Webster Farmhouse, "'and then, without asking further advice from Polly,' calmly brought her pony to a standstill. The young fellow made no effort to come nearer the sleigh or even to tear himself away, but kept gazing in astonishment at Betty as she dismounted and walked fearlessly up to him. "'What made you want to take my jewelry, Anthony?' she inquired. "'I know your name because I have heard Nan speak so often of you. "'I wonder if you have ever tried to steal anything before.' She said this apparently to herself, since the boy did not seem inclined to answer. And then Betty shook her lovely head softly. "'I wonder what it feels like to want to steal,' she questioned. "'It must be some very dreadful reason that tempts one. You see, I have never been poor myself, or known what it was, to want terribly anything I could not have.' And then, very swiftly and without allowing time for Polly to stop her, betty drew out her camp-fire knife and cut the rope that bound the young fellow's arms to his sides i don't know whether it is right or wrong for me to do this she confessed but for nan's sake i cannot bear to hold you a prisoner then both to her surprise and polly's anthony made no movement and at the same instant the girls to their embarrassment saw that he was crying not weeping like some girls to whom tears come easily but shaken by dry, painful sobs, as though his shame and self-abasement were too great to be borne. "'It was for Nan's sake I wanted to get away,' he confessed, finally, pulling himself together by a tremendous effort. "'I thought maybe, if I could get a chance like she is having, somewhere away from here where no one knew me, that I might be able to do something for myself. It was nearly killing me, thinking I had ruined everything for her.' So, you were intending to steal in order to begin leading a better life? Betty repeated thoughtfully, and the young man flashed an angry look at her. But she was not trying to be sarcastic, and the expression on her face at that moment he never afterwards forgot. I should hate you to stop trying to make things right for yourself and Nan because you began the wrong way, she continued after a little thoughtful pause. Then with a blush and a humble look very characteristic of betty when wishing to be allowed to do another person a favor she picked up her purse-bag from the bottom of the sleigh and slipping her hand in it drew out a crumpled bill won't you let me lend you the money for your chance she asked as though speaking to a friend and utterly ignoring the ugly scene that had just passed i haven't much money with me so you must not mind You can pay it back to me when you get to the new place and have good luck. And then, before the dazed boy had time to understand what she was trying to do, Betty had thrust ten dollars into his partially clenched hand, and jumping back into her sleigh, had driven rapidly away. Firestar was rather bored with so much unnecessary delay on his journey home and wanted to get back to shelter. A little later... Billy Webster, who had been cutting down trees in a portion of his father's woods, took off his fur cap to wave to the girls just as Polly, in her dramatic fashion, dropped down on one knee in their sleigh, attempting to kiss Betty's hand. "'Betty, dear, if ever I saw you do a princess-like act in a princess-like fashion, it was when you gave that abominable boy that money,' she said admiringly. It is my opinion that either he is absolutely no good, or else he will reform from this moment and be your faithful knight to the end of the chapter. But Betty only smiled a little uncertainly. Perhaps it wasn't honest of me, Polly, to be giving away money when I owe so much to other people. And then, touching the tin box in her friend's lap, she said half jokingly and half serious, But... Since I am having to give up my kingdom, I am glad to be able to help someone else come into theirs. End of chapter 7. Recording by Betsy Walker.